This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Ladomus Games, makers of fine board games, including LaBelle's Gambit, where you can take a risk and gain the advantage over a mysterious benefactor. Ladomus Games, a family company. Pod Cemetery is also made possible by the generous support of listeners like you over at Patreon.com/slash Pod Cemetery. My name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's a matrimony week on Pod Cemetery because we're recording this right before we're heading off to a wedding for the weekend. <laughs> yes, congratulations to our friends Tommy and Travis. Yes, congrats. Uh, we're watching in honor of their wedding, 1970s Hatchet for the Honeymoon, and 2019's Ready or Not. Thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcemetery for selecting these movies for us to watch for our matrimony week. Make sure you're backing us there to get all sorts of uh, extra content and help us choose what we're going to watch next. Also keep an eye out. Our next thing we're going to be adding to there is a Kelsey's book club where she'll talk about Firestarter and the Black Phone. The Black Phone, which she's read, and so we'll discuss the those uh, written works. And and then coming up next, uh, I'm finishing up and the where the Crawdads sing. I'm going to see that movie. So I'll talk are about we going to talk about that on the podcast? Well, I'll do that on my book club. Oh, okay. Uh, and then. Also, we just recently went to Midsummer Scream, which is a horror convention in Long Beach, California. We need to do an episode about that. So for we got to talk about that. Yeah. So uh, back us there and uh, keep an eye out for those upcoming patron exclusives. Let's get right into our classic film, 1970s Hatchet for the Honeymoon, otherwise known as Il Rosso Seno de la Folia or The Red Sign of Madness. Uh, directed by Mario Bava, who we've had on the show before with Black Sunday, and written by Santiago Moncada, starring Stephen Forsyth, Dagmar Lysander, Laura Betty, and Jesus Puente. Kelsey, what is Hatchet for the Honeymoon about? A self-proclaimed paranoid madman is killing women dressed as brides to try and remember a traumatic memory that he has repressed. Yeah, that's pretty much, that's exactly it. You can watch it uh, with a subscription to Flix Fling or for free on Canopy. You can rent it for $2 on Kino Now, $3 on Amazon, or $4 on Flix Fling, and buy it for $10 on Flix Fling and Kino Now, or $15 on Amazon. Kelsey, should people watch Hatchet for the Honeymoon? I think if you like movies like American Psycho, you definitely need to see this movie. Yeah, I mean, especially with the intro I wrote down. Strong American Psycho vibes. <laughs> yeah, if you like delving into a crazy person's psyche, absolutely. Yeah, it's not a com it's not like a class commentary. No. Or a commercialism commentary or a commentary on our capitalist 
system or anything like that, like American Psycho is, but it's, you know, narrated by a psychopath who is trying to look at his own identity objectively and dispassionately. And you, you get him narrating throughout. So like, it's a, like American Psycho like that. Um, I don't see how there's any way that this did not influence American yeah, Psycho. Yeah, and there's a character throughout, just like in American Psycho, that he legitimately likes and doesn't want to kill, uh-huh. but like knows he's going to. So like he keeps pushing her away. And that was very heavily there. And then also there's the wife character. Uh, she's obviously a much more important character in this than she is yeah. in American Psycho. But like there were a lot of points that I was like, there are strong connections. And the cop who maybe knows more than he's yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, so it's, it, it, yeah, I don't see how there's any way this didn't influence that movie or book the source material for that. And it's a Jalo film. So if you're into Jalo, then yeah. It's pretty light on the Jalo. It is, but Jalo light. It definitely has that going for it. Yeah. Uh, I would include this on a list of Jalo films that we've seen. So yeah, I, I would say. I think I I think for sure I liked it more than Kelsey did. For sure. But even still, I would struggle just to recommend it. You know what I mean? Like I think if you're into Jalo movies, if what we described about it being like a proto-American psycho sounds interesting to you, then yeah. I was fascinated throughout. But I could totally get how it would just be indescribably boring for people. So I'm torn on whether or not I would recommend it. Yeah, like, I appreciate a lot of elements about it. I think a lot of it is good. But yes, it's it's a lot of the same thing over and over again. Oh, yeah, and the central conflict, not with his wife, but with the memory he's trying to unlock, is just so, so incredibly predictable. Like, yes, it's, you know, predictable. right away, the first time they present you with the fact that he's not quite sure what's going on, you know exactly what's going on. And it's ridiculous that he doesn't know that. <laughs> Here I am killing people, and then somebody important to me died. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> and the whole thing with the wife is interesting and cool and weird, but also it every time it happens, it slows the, the movie to a Yeah, crawl. and there's probably a reason for that. So Santiago Mancata uh, is a writer, but if you look on IMDb, you'll see that both Mario Bava and Laura Betty um, have uncredited writing work on the script. Uh, That's because she was, like, an award-winning dramatic actress, like, you know, sort of highbrow actress. And she's like, okay, great. The way she described it, she's like, I got my Oscar in quotes. Uh, Now I want to work with Mario Bava. Which she was counting on him understanding. That it wasn't, like, a slight, like, okay, I did my serious work. Now let's do my stupid work. You know, like, he's like, no, I, that's... Those aren't the movies that I make. I make. And so he was excited that he had the chance to work with her. And so he just wrote a character into the script for her. Like that did not exist. And it has a huge impact on the plot. Mm-hmm. Like it's astonishing to me that this movie was something completely different uh, before she showed up. And so I don't know. I think it adds a pretty fascinating element. I kind of love the addition like story wise, but I think pacing wise, you're right. It does kind of like. Slow things down a little bit every time Comes she's on screen. Comes to a screeching yes. halt. Uh huh. So you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1970s Hatchet for the honeymoon. <laughs> So 
so there is no trailer for Hatchet for the Honeymoon. It's literally just long clips from the movie itself set to some 60s (laughs) funky jazz music. (laughs) And that's all we have going, and we see him murder, and then there are screams every once in a while. But, I mean, you're basically just watching the movie, so... Uh, even though the movie is Italian, it's not even a concern because nobody's speaking a damn word in the trailer anyway. So instead, you get my lovely voice. Uh, Hatchet for the Honeymoon, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Hatchet for the Honeymoon begin? With bright colors, feeling very Jalo-like, but soft, relaxing music. Yeah, it's like we got blue sand over a red background. It's it's stop motion as well. This sort of artistic thing. It feels very Monty Python without the comedy. I'm just to give you an idea of how it looks visually. Um, and apparently, Mario Bava did that himself, which is kind of interesting. It's very cool looking, but it. The music is too relaxing with the bright orange flaming colors yeah, uh-huh. on screen. It's funny because even though we're going to know automatically who the murderer is, the first shot of him, it's like they're going to try to keep him like a secret. Like we only see his belt. Right, yeah. And his belt is really weird looking. Describe the belt, Kelsey. It's like these like chain links. He will wear it throughout the movie. And I wonder, is that, like, a metaphor for something? Is he chained down by his own psychopathy? or Maybe. I, probably not that deep. They just thought it looked cool, and it's a signature piece for the character. Even though this movie is, for America, didn't come out until 1974, it came out in Italy or whatever yeah, in Italy. 1970. So it was definitely filmed in 1969, and that oh. heavily, heavily influences the, the culture of this film. It has strong late 60s energy, mm-hmm. for sure. Man, some of the outfits. He wears this jumpsuit at one point. It's like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> There's a part where he's at a club, and everybody is dancing, and yeah. it is heavy, like... Austin Powers vibes. <laughs> like, Can you believe that was actually real? <laughs> yes, exactly. So mean to everyone alive in the 60s. <laughs> so anyways, he's on a train and he's following this couple that just got married. They're going off on their honeymoon, I assume. Mm-hmm. And he murders the two of them and... As he does, he's remembering walking upstairs. No, he just remembers stairs and footsteps. At this point, like, yeah, yes, he is walking upstairs. Don't get me wrong. But the way he describes it is he he keeps hearing footsteps. Uh, and he doesn't yet identify that they are his. Hmm. He will, but we know. I mean, we see it from a point of view, and it's a memory of his, so we know it's his point of view. Yes. So it's not really a mystery to us. No. But it is a mystery to him, which is so bizarre that they set it up this way. It is weird. He also passes by a little kid and breaks into the cabin in front of him, and you're like, okay, so something's up with this kid, obviously. (laughs) It's him as a little kid. (laughs) 
remember we're seeing back into like a memory of his and so it's all he's just looking at himself his his younger self is looking at him and then he kills them with a meat cleaver that's going to be his weapon of choice for the film it is but we talked about this when we watched hatchet it is not what is traditionally known as a hatchet not at all it's a cleaver it's not a hatchet yes but also in Hatchet, the double-bladed thing isn't traditionally known as it. You can call it a hatchet, but hatchets generally have That's one side. That's closer to a hatchet it is closer than to a, a hatchet. cleaver is. But we called it out for that, so we have to call it out for this, too. Oh, this is really This bad. is the one called Hatchet for the Honeymoon. Yes. And in... I think it's But maybe that's what they call it in Italy. I don't know. But in Spain, they also the name translates really really closely, but it's an axe for the honeymoon. It's not alliterative because it's in a different language, but when you <laughs> translate it into English, it's an axe for the honeymoon. So they obviously do mean an axe of some sort, right? So he uses a meat cleaver. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, in his memory, like, this woman is yelling, John, and it's like, so he killed the woman, right? And she's like, oh, God, John, why are you doing this, right? right. But to him, he's like, I hear footsteps and someone's calling my name. <laughs> it's so mysterious. Yeah. Who is this woman? Yes. It's an absurd, like, everyone gets it. No one is confused. And then we get his... Sort of opening narration, the calling of his name morphs into somebody actually calling his name, and that's his wife, Mildred. John! 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 Just a minute, Mildred. And then he says, just a minute, Mildred, while he's shaving in front of the mirror. So he's prepping in the morning, doing his grooming ritual, and narrating about his psychopathy. How he's a madman. Yeah. How nobody knows. Does this sound familiar? It's all very amusing to him. Yeah. So it's interesting. It was fascinating to me. Yeah, it's very much American psycho. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he goes and he has breakfast with his wife, whom he hates and she hates him what is the central conflict in this relationship kelsey well okay i don't know that it's that she hates him i i think it's that he wooed her for her money uh-huh thinking he might be able to actually do it but when it came down to it he couldn't get it up for her uh-huh. because she's alive and you know he's a psycho and can only uh-huh. get it up for dead women which they are going to hint at but they don't it's not explicit yeah no. they are not explicit with that at all they don't want to gross you out in any way mm-hmm. it's not about the necrophilia but it does exist he married her for that couldn't get it up but yay i got the money and that's all i wanted he inherited like a fashion empire but it was dying but it was dying and so her money injected into that empire kept it alive And so he's feeling great about himself and how he's running a business that's incredibly successful. And she's like, you'd be nothing without me and my money. You do not want to divorce me and I will never give you that satisfaction. She hates that he won't touch her and she doesn't understand why. And so because of that, she tortures him because it's torture for her. But yeah, why wouldn't she leave him? Why wouldn't she want a life of her own? I don't know. They they don't ever. I guess. She says as much. Like, she doesn't say literally spite. Right, no, but I understand, like, but, like, what are you getting out of this? Don't, you have all this money, go and be happy elsewhere. 
I guess theoretically they break up and he gets half of her money. They well, have to split either the money. that, or I mean, he's already so successful right now he doesn't need her money anymore. Right. He can probably pay off any debt he had, and he's going to continue to make money. The empire, by the way, is wedding dresses. wedding dresses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We will find out a little bit later that the first woman he killed was one of his models. He explains that he has killed five young women. I didn't mm-hmm. notice that his first one was a model, but it doesn't surprise me because he does kill his models. <laughs> yeah, because the cop, when the cop shows up at the beginning, he's he shows up because they're still investigating the murder of one of his models. So I just assumed that those two were the same thing. They don't explicitly state it. The odd thing is, is that he doesn't recognize the joy he gets out of murder. He he says he only does it so that he can get this memory. Reveal the truth, yeah. Because every time he kills a newlywed, and he d- can't even interrogate that. We'll find out something later that's like, oh, come on, man. Even, of course. But uh, it has to be a newlywed. And then when he kills a newlywed, it reveals more of this memory to him. While he's having breakfast, he does sort of, just sort of casually, dismissively look at his wife backwards through binoculars, like one of the lenses of a binocular, and so she looks really far away. Stop that! And then she reaches out and grabs it and pulls it away. That's a really fun shot. I like that a lot. Yes. And she gets very annoyed and very angry. There are a lot of really good shots like that. I mean, you could, I think, read into these shots of him trying to keep her at a distance, even though she's actually really physically close to him, just like their relationship in their marriage, you know, but you could do that. I honestly, I just think it's Mario Baba just having fun. (laughs) Uh, There are a couple of fun shots like this. Later on, when we see him in his mannequin wedding dress dungeon bedroom thing. It's shot with a very wide angle lens, like I mentioned in Firestarter. You know how they, why are we using this lens? <laughs> why is it through the whole fucking scene? I'm starting to get sick. Like, it's not a good, pleasant thing. In this, it's not as long, and we get this sweeping view so we can see everything with this wide angle, and it does move a little bit. But it also gives you this distorted view Because we're in his distorted place. This place is really personal to him, and he is distorted, hence we have this distorted point of view. But I wouldn't read too much into that. I don't think there's a lot, really, of too much thought. It's just fun. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. She's all into seances and dark arts and magic and shit because she once had a husband that did love her, whose name was also John. Yes. Which is very confusing. Yes. And she will go, she's like, I'm going to go to the seance and I want you to come with me. And the weird thing is, is that whenever she wants something, it does happen. If she says you're coming with me to this event. He does. He does go. Yeah. So I get that he has, that she has some sort of power over him, but I struggle to see where the power comes from because why? Why wouldn't he just be like, no. I'm not going to yeah, anything. Make me. Yeah, like you. you what are you want- going to do? Divorce me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not going to divorce me. What's what do you? What can you do to me? Isn't that weird? I think he wants to avoid the scandal that she might be able to cause. Even though divorce at the time would probably be pretty scandalous. But the important thing in here is that she does appear to be communicating with her husband, and our John stops it. He shouts out loud. Now, I want to ask you, why do you think he does that? 
He's like, no, stop. Why do you think he stops the seance? I have a couple of thoughts. Well, specifically, he doesn't yell for it to stop until she says, John, don't be naughty. Uh (laughs) And it's like, it's um, I felt like, because I wrote, this must upset him. Uh Because this is when he starts to get upset. Yeah. So I was just like, perhaps... He really is frustrated at the fact that he can't get it up for her. Uh-huh. And he does want to be sexually satisfying for her. And the fact that that never happened perhaps was a huge rift in their relationship and mm. why they have this hatred and animosity towards each other. Yeah, that was one of the that was one of the ideas. I also thought did he kill her ex-husband to get with her? <laughs> uh, or is this just sudden guilt at the possibility that people might be able to actually talk to the dead? That's he has a lot thought. of dead people in his past that know secrets about him. Or, or, finding out, you know, jumping forward a little bit, could he potentially talk to his dead mom? And would that reveal something about himself that he subconsciously doesn't want revealed? Even though he is seeking out that quote-unquote truth. A lot of questions. Yeah, mm-hmm. That they will not give you a single answer to. But I think it's intriguing. It's not just out of nowhere. It doesn't mean nothing, you know. During this time, he has uh, added on a new model who was very cagey when he asked about her last job, why she's left it. Uh, He doesn't bother to call any of her references. He's just like, you are hired. You're smart. I like you. Yeah. (laughs) You're hired. And she is very obviously hitting on him. Yeah. We also have the detective show up in a couple different places here. The character gets introduced. He keeps coming back to John to ask him questions and to investigate. Yeah, about his other model that's now missing. Or I don't know if they ever find her. I think she's just missing. And it's very obvious that the cop thinks he did it. But he's keeping things cordial and light. Close to American Psycho, whereas American Psycho makes you legitimately question if he actually suspects him at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one doesn't. No, like, you know, you he, know he suspects him. him. Yeah. But while he's having this conversation, he's watching his models. And there's this one in particular that he keeps looking at. And we get these close-up shots. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> Whoa. And she goes to tell him that she's going to quit because she's going to get married. And she's like, and like, there's also this underthought of like, also, you creep me the fuck out because you're always staring at me. Right. But then at the same time, she's like into it. Now, I think there's there's like this community thing going on, like a family at the company sort of thing. And and maybe a little bit like a prima nocta sort of vibe. Like, obviously, it's not like, well, you get first crack at having sex with me. I don't think like that. But like. You're the king, effectively. You're the reason I'm able to do this, and I'm letting you down by leaving the company. So I'm going to defer to you. You want me to show up tonight alone? Yeah, I'll show up tonight. And ostensibly, it's a little creepy, but like legitimately like loving in a way. He takes her into his bedroom mannequin dungeon. You're like, holy shit, he's showing it to her. It's okay, she won't be alive very much longer. But he tells her, pick one. Pick a wedding dress. It's yours. You're so young and so lovely. Choose whatever dress you like. It will be my wedding gift. But the real reason he wants her to wear it is so that he can kill her to bring back the memory. Yes, and he will do that. But but before he does that, he like she like gets dressed 
and then he kisses her like passionately. But I don't know if it's just like a weird French thing. I don't know. But yes, he does kill her in a very bad swing. Like it's very obvious that it's not going to hit her. It's it's almost like Psycho, where the knife goes down and it's like that wouldn't have hit her at all. <laughs> and it looks like a fake knife too at that point. But go ahead. There's more conversations with his wife, where his wife like will crush a grape, and it's like very obviously like you are the grape. I can crush you at any time. I'll never give you a divorce. Yeah, but like the camera loves this moment. It yes. just focuses really hard. Oh, one thing we didn't mention. What he narrates to himself when he goes and he grabs the cleaver from his secret compartment in like his roll top desk or whatever it is, is he says, A woman should live only until her wedding night. Love once and then die. Except that this woman doesn't get to live to her wedding. Eh, well, she's getting married. She didn't get yeah. to love once. <laughs> well, she loved once. But the point is, is that, like, basically once you're married, what's the point of anything else? Well, the first time he said it, I thought it was after, it was during, like, while she was having sex for the, supposedly, for the first time, was what I thought he meant. Love once. Oh. Maybe. Maybe. But somebody comes and he's, and they're like, what'd you do with my sister? And he's like, killed her, raped her, buried her. I might be a model whose sole purpose is to capture her boss. Or Rosie Miller's sister, for example, who wants to ask you, what did you do with my sister, Mr. Harrington? As a matter of fact, I... I killed her, raped her, and buried her in the hothouse. <laughs> Must have been marvelous. Very matter-of-factly. Yeah. Uh -huh. He does not want to kill this one model who kind of keeps putting her neck on the chopping block right there for him. And, he like, because she's so in his face about how much she wants him, he's, like, very interested. And so he's like, oh, I can't kill you because I want you so bad. Uh -huh. So he pushes her away, just like an American psycho with Chloe Savini. So she then dangles, his wife dangles a week alone without her in front of him. Yeah. And then takes it away from him, like, the first day that he, she's yeah. supposed to be gone. So she leaves, she gets on a plane, and then, like, immediately he runs into this this model of his, and they basically have a date. They do kiss in the car, but it doesn't go any further than that. And he goes home and puts on... Black Sabbath, which is a Mario Bava movie. And then he looks up and he sees that the door to the bedroom is open. It's like, what? And he goes up and fucking Mildred is in bed, awake, waiting for him. Ha ha! You thought I was gone, but I took the next flight right back. Where were you all night, you son of a bitch? <laughs> You'll never be rid of me, basically. She's just threatening him. And then they start to, like, she, I don't know, they're, they're like, flirty. <laughs> like, they're gonna have sex. But then, like, the music starts up and you see that he's changed. Well, it's he's like this building passion sort of thing. And... But she becomes frightened of him. Well, yeah, eventually. So what happens first is they start kind of, you know, n n nuzzling and and sort of like making out a little bit, right? And then he gets up 
and leaves and he comes back with the serving tray with the cleaver on it. And that's what frightens her because of course, of course, of course, they have to go the trans panic route and he's wearing a veil with lipstick. I gotta say though, they kept that hidden for a little bit. They did, but it was completely unnecessary. I understand, but take that out of it and Uh watch her fear. Oh yeah. Because it is not, she's not looking at the cleaver, which is a really interesting it is. thing. She's looking at him and she's panicked. The audience can see the cleaver and the audience knows exactly what's about to happen. Uh-huh. She's not looking at that. She's looking at him. And that is a really interesting, because he's never done this before. Uh-huh. Yeah. Dressed up as the bride, which I'm just like, oh, insidious. I see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a little bit. Yeah. But like. It never comes up again, and it's never explained. And he never gives an indication that he feels like he is becoming them or anything like that. I there's think no it's a I- psycho, right? But I there's do. there's no identity crisis. There's no like it. It's just for the flavor. It's just for the shock value. And I think it could have been completely removed, and this movie wouldn't be any worse. As a matter of fact, it'd probably be a little bit better. But that moment is very fascinating when in retrospect you realized what it is that she's seeing when she starts to realize something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting, but yeah, of course, of course. But like I even wrote down, I was like, why is she not grabbing it? She's just staring. Why is she not grabbing it? Yeah. It's because she's in shock. Right. And he attacks her and ends up killing her on the stairs and then where her arm hangs yeah. down. And then there's banging at the door. And the cop has showed up with the husband of the woman he had just killed, his model who was going to quit and get married. Mm-hmm. And like, "Ah, we know it's you." Da, 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 da. We know she was here last. We heard a woman screaming, and he explains I'm watching a horror movie. I'm watching movie. a horror movie, and he turns it on to Black Sabbath and there is a scream. And there's some shaming for liking horror movies. Yes. As says, per usual. You like horror films, do you? I don't find them very entertaining. I keep thinking that reality is more terrifying than fiction. Mm-hmm. Alice has not been seen in a week. What did you do with her? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alice is his his model who is going to quit and get married. But he's not concerned about that. He's concerned about them seeing the wife that's laying there. Her dead. hand flops out because she's dying. She's still alive. But, you know, she's still moving a little bit, and then the blood is dripping down her hand. It just reminded me of Jurassic Park and his explanation of chaos theory. (laughs) And, like, the blood's dripping down from above them, and they don't notice it. But he is freaking out. So when they leave, the cop pops back in and is like, you know what's funny? It's actually really cold out. But you seem to be, like, you're sweating. Oh, um, it's very cold tonight, isn't it? Yes, quite cold. Mm. It's curious. You seem to be sweating. Mm. Very curious. What's curious. up with that? Yeah. Huh. Anyway, see you later. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just fucking with him. He's like, I'm going to get... Later on, he'll tell them, you know how I'm going to catch this killer? Do you want to know? And the guy's like, sure. It's like, patience. That's how I'm going to catch him. Patience. Would you like me to tell you my plan for trapping the murderer? If you want to. Just patience. Only that. Just patience. Which is really interesting. I think that's that's kind of cool. So the next morning, he's killed his wife. The next morning, he's wearing his best outfit. That fucking jumpsuit. <laughs> Holy shit. It's got this, like, chain design on it's it. It's like she's dead so he can finally be free. Yeah. <laughs> and so his maid shows up and, like, 
pours him some coffee and then pours another cup of coffee. And he's like, why the hell did you do that? And she's like, well, your wife asked for it. He's like, what, what, what? Remember what we were talking about earlier about how he was worried that people potentially, this is what he was worried about, might be able to talk to his victims. Now people are talking to his wife, whom he just killed. And they can see her, but he can't see her. Yes. Which is really fascinating. And that's, I can't, like, this is something that wasn't in the script originally until this actress showed up and said, I want to do one of your movies. So, like, it's incredible how important this is to the film. And it wasn't in there before. It's a fascinating turn. And she'll tell him, I'll never leave you. Everyone will see me except you. They'll say we're the perfect couple or something to that effect. I'll never leave you, John. Never. Everyone will see me except you. By your side as always. Always, John. Always by your side. They'll say we're a perfect couple. Always together. Always. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fascinating. And then that is going to have a twist on itself as well a little bit later. But he freaks out, obviously. And he <laughs> digs up her body and burns it. Because that's what he does. He has this furnace which he uses to burn. His explanation for it is to burn the clippings from the roses he uses in his work. And he well, burns bodies in there. Well, he's also just buried a couple of bodies in right. his hothouse as well. Also, though, before he does this, you said he goes a little insane, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, one way that they'll show that he's gone insane is him laughing on his bed. And I thought that it was very similar to Jared Leto being the Joker laughing with all his oh, knives. Yeah. <laughs> that felt very similar. The musical effect or the effects of the ha wind howling. Really heavily reminded me of the Mickey Go Mickey's Ghosts. Oh, interesting. Sounds. Yeah. I really enjoy all the shots of the wife. I think she's nice and creepy. Yes. She's great. She's but the thing is is that now she's just wearing the same outfit every day. Uh-huh. And I'm like, wouldn't people be like, uh, what's up with the fact that you don't dress anymore? And she's always wearing black, like she's in mourning, you know, that whole motif. Uh well, it's yeah. also got like jewels, big jewels on it. Yeah. And it's not just that people see her. They can talk to her. They, like, have full-on conversations with her. When we do cut to the hothouse, it's a really strange cut. Do you remember what's strange about it? It just felt kind of, like, out of nowhere. Like, all of a uh -huh. sudden, it was like a jump cut. Like, they skipped something. Uh-huh. So he's going to dig her up and then burn her body. And then he carries, like, a doctor's bag around with him. At least it looks like that. But it's like a, a, case, a satchel of some sort. As they call it. Yeah. Your case. And there's no explanation as to what's in that. And at first I was like, did he just keep her head? But he's carrying something around with him and we don't know what's in it yet. And then he takes it to the club and he tries to hit on a woman to come back home with him. And she's like, what are you, sick? Your wife's right there or whatever. Would you like to come home with me? You have company. She won't disturb us. We'll go to my house. The three of us. My wife will see something she won't ever forget. Not even in hell. You rotten pervert! Who do you think you are? Throw him out of here! He's not in the building. Nothing but a pervert. It's like, oh god! And I'm like, haha! I wrote this down. Ha! Didn't work, dickhead. <laughs> like you don't like this guy, but it is 
fascinating following him around, especially <laughs> with his wife, whom you also don't really like, but she's also justified. Yeah. Like, just torturing him psychologically. It's very fun. I loved this. I really, really did. It doesn't work. And and she ends up getting him kicked out. Yeah, you rotten pervert. Yeah. <laughs> and they throw his bag out. I'm like, oh no, her head's in there. <laughs> so he tries to throw it into the river, which is where we see that it's her ashes. Yes. But it comes right back. Yeah. Just like it, Annabelle. It just keeps not working. He has like a fashion show on one of his customer's property. I don't know if it's his property or not. But he talks to this young woman with the dog, and then her mom talks to his wife, his dead wife, yes. which is really fascinating. This is where the police officer says the key is patience. And I wrote, he's killed his wife, and now we need to worry about him getting caught for that, too. I wrote, is he going to, quote, unquote, get away with it? Like, legally get away with it, but obviously not emotionally? Because the cop will be able to see his wife and talk to her, so they never think that she's dead, and so he'll have gotten away with it but then nobody will believe him that she's dead and <laughs> she's just gonna torment him for the rest of his life <laughs> like oh man that would be awesome that would be great but that night he's like at his wits end so he pours out all the ashes and everything right and well first he throws the bag into the river and then the bag shows back up wet in his house and so then he pours them out over like a railing or something like that and he goes to that woman with the dog to her house and attacks her. But the cops are already there. So he gets away. Somehow he, he manages to get clean away. And when he gets home, the cops show up almost immediately and are like, where were you? And then Helen, the new model that he hired that he's been flirting a bunch with, shows up in his robe from upstairs and is like, he was with me the entire night. Well, at this point, I think they've already had sex because she came into his childhood room and... Like, made out with him on the chair. I feel like they're implying that they've already had sex. Yeah, maybe. So anyway, when the cops leave, they're like, yeah, okay, you're lucky. And then he looks at Helen, he's like, real lucky. Very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> but he's sweating again in cold air, he mentions. Yes. You should, and- see if you're, you should see a doctor. Mr. Harrington and I have been here all evening. We decided to spend the night together. Any objections? Oh, no, of course not, Miss Wood. You won't be long, will you? You seem to be a very lucky man, Harrington. I must say, very lucky. If I were you, I wouldn't press my luck. Pardon this interruption. You are certainly very fortunate. I envy you. Um, I'd visit a doctor if I were you. You are sweating again in the cold air. And I can turn into a nuisance. Good evening. He asks her when the cops leave, why'd you cover for me? What are you doing here? Yeah. And she's just like, well, I wanted to, basically, I wanted to fuck you. I mean, she's been pretty upfront this whole time. Her her thing was, I'm lazy as hell. I'm young and beautiful. You need a model. I need a sugar daddy. Let's do this. Yeah. And he's like, what, you're not? 
afraid of me? Like, what's going on? Afraid? Yeah, and he hasn't explicitly said what's going on, and she hasn't explicitly said that she knows what's going on. Like, any of this, but it's this sort of subtext of, are we talking about the same thing here? (laughs) Do you know that I'm a killer? I don't want to say it in case you don't, but if you do, I want to be clear, you're still cool with that? (laughs) Like, that's the conversation that's happening here. It's very fascinating. So they go into his bridal dungeon bedroom thing with all the mannequins and stuff. Yeah, he does the same exact routine. Where he turns on this, like, music box and then it turns into a full orchestra. I mean, he tries to push her away several times. Yes. And she continues to say that she wants to stay. But he ends up eventually trying to attack and kill her. And when he does, as he's throughout the movie, he's pieced together more and more of this memory. And finally, he'll have pieced together everything he needs to remember what happened when he attacks her this time. Yeah, but I thought it was weird. The music changes quite abruptly does, in yeah. this scene, uh-huh. and I thought that was very strange and out of place. Well, he changes very abruptly, because as soon as he finds out, he will shut the fuck down. So, what the memory is, the steps are him walking up the stairs to his mother's bedroom, where he looks in the keyhole and sees her getting ready, basically, to sleep with her new husband, who she just either was about to get married to or just got married to. And he didn't, basically he didn't want her remarrying. He didn't want her falling in love with somebody else. So he killed both of them, including obviously his mother. And he felt so guilty about that, that he suppressed that. But there was still this underlying desire that he had to murder newlywed women, right? That was still there. He just didn't know why it was there. And now he finally figured it out and he starts sobbing. Meanwhile, she's freaking out because he tried to kill her. And he's like, I killed my mom. And she's like, what the fuck? (laughs) But she's trying to get away from him. And she manages to get away from him enough. And he's like breaking down. Falling on the floor, and then the cops come in. Are you all right? What the fuck's up with this guy? (laughs) What are with all these mannequins? What's going on? Yeah, you find out that she was a plant the whole time, which was very surprising. Yes, the cops convinced her. They're like, you've been very brave, Miss Wood, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he figures out that, yes... She was a plant. He ends up getting changing clothes and walking out of his home dignified. Reput like he's figured everything out and he won't be seen being carried out of his own home sobbing or struggling, whatever, with his head held high. So he's taken to prison and he sees his wife again, who's with him now, and she says, now nobody will see me except you. The opposite of what she said earlier and we'll be together forever. First in the insane asylum, then in hell for eternity. Good evening, John. At first you couldn't see me. And now nobody will see me except you. And we'll always be together. At first in the insane asylum, and then in hell for eternity. No. Go away. I don't want you with me. No. No! Let me go! No! Make her go! Make her go! Back here! I killed her once! I don't want to have to kill her again! No! Oh, so great! Oh, just juicy! I just love it! Oh, it's so savory! Um, 
it was just fascinating in that way. I just, I just love, I was fine with watching this man squirm and how his, his dead wife is torturing him and how at first she was torturing him by not letting him see her, but letting everyone else see her. And that was a unique way of torturing him. And then the exact opposite it forever. And he starts freaking out and the cops have to come in and restrain him and everything. Uh, and that's how the movie ends. Mm-hmm. It's kind of awesome. Yes, he definitely gets his in the end. Yeah. This is a very much fuck you yeah. type of movie, uh, which is not how American Psycho treats it. Right. I mean, American Psycho ends with a lot of ambiguity. It tries to answer the question, but you'll still hear people like argue about that, right? Like, oh, what does it really mean? What was real and what wasn't? Like, you know, people ask that question. This doesn't have that ambiguity. It's pretty clear exactly what's going on mm-hmm. by the end of it. Mm-hmm. So, Kelsey, what do you think Hatchet for the Honeymoon has on Rotten Tomatoes? Mm, say a 65. Close. 57. But it's only seven reviews. Oh. There are a thousand plus audience reviews, and that has a 49. Very interesting. No Metacritic, no cinema score. Do you think that this is overrated or underrated? At 57? Yes. Mm, maybe that's exactly what I'll give it. Really? I think that's low. Well, I know. Here's the thing. I like it more than it is good. <laughs> Does that make sense? I think that there's a lot to like here. It's just not very interesting. It's very slow, but I think that it's weird and wacky, and I like yeah. I like all the weird shit about it. I like all the '60s stuff, and like we didn't talk about like we kind of briefly mentioned the club. There's this yes. scene uh-huh. where everybody's dancing with the dress, the clothing. Oh, it's great, and his clothing is great, and always it, wearing that belt. It's just not the most interesting story. Like you know from the very beginning. He did it. He killed his mom. Now he's just killing brides. Yeah. I get it. I get it. And then, like, you know, the torturous wife. And, yes, it's great because in the end he's going to get it. But it's like he was already getting it. Like, you know, like, it's just not a lot happens. Yeah. I think a lot happens in a way that I was just totally down for the entire time. I was having a great time watching this movie. I do recognize that it's not as objective as you can be because obviously when you're talking about quality it's hard it's impossible to be objective right but i thoroughly enjoyed this but again i recognize it's not like a great movie so i i feel like i'm gonna give it a 69 dudes 69 dudes i was i was really tempted to go into the 70s oh wow but i feel like i have to temper that a little bit so i'll do a 69 dudes well Look, was American Psycho clearly inspired by this? Clearly. Yes. Okay. But uh, this obviously has clear ties to other things. Psycho uh-huh. being one of them. Yeah. You know, plenty of other things that I can't think of at the moment. Uh-huh. Right? And I appreciate that about it. And like I said, it's not a bad movie, but it's not a great movie. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's it's a bunch of things I've seen. It's a hodgepodge of things I've already seen. And I've seen it better. I will say I thought it was pretty good. And I will definitely want to watch this movie again. Oh, okay. I'm glad that we saw it then. Yeah. I am actually really happy that I saw it. 
So either way, this won't end up on our biggest differences. We we have bigger differences, although we've had a couple 12s recently. Like you liked Urban Legends Final Cut 12 points more than I did. Because you're wrong. <laughs> I liked Gremlins 2 12 points more than you did. I get that. <laughs> but in any case, yeah, Hatchet for the Honeymoon. I liked it. That brings us to our modern film, 2019's Ready or Not. Ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you. Directed by Matt Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillette, or Gillette, I don't know. These are the guys that directed the new Scream movie. And the new upcoming one, Scream 6. It's also written by Guy Busick and R. Christopher Murphy. And stars Samara Weaving, Adam Brody, Mark O'Brien, and Andy McDowell. Kelsey, what is Ready or Not about? A woman on her wedding night is forced to play hide and seek. And if she is found, she will be murdered by her in-laws. Yep, there it is. <laughs> It is available to rent for $4 and buy for 15 Kelsey, should people watch Ready or Not? I think a lot of people will like this movie. I would recommend this to most people. That does not mean that I enjoyed it all that much, but I can foresee this being a huge like, a huge draw. A lot of people. Yes. This is meant for a lot of people to enjoy. Yes, Sounds really degrading, and I don't mean it to be. No, I think I, I see what you're saying. It's not like you're, you're not out here saying some of you less cultured people might like it, but me. <laughs> no, I knew ahead of time because we've seen this before that this was not your favorite movie. <laughs> so I thought it was hilarious when it was on the list, but of course it would be. Why wouldn't it be on our list of wedding movies? Mm -hmm. And then when it was selected almost unanimously by our patrons, mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, of course, it's the one Kelsey's not going to like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think we mentioned this last week. I liked it. I remember liking it. And I remember you not liking it. And then it was the opposite for your next. And these movies kind of came out around the same time and they had that same sort of one standalone girl against a family that's trying to murder her, you know, sort of thing. But this one, in my mind, is a lot, like, significantly more fun. Totally disagree. I think the other one is way more fun. Your next is a lot more, like, action-heavy. That's funny, because I don't like action movies. I know. Ready or Not, in my mind, is more concept-heavy. It's it's stronger on the visuals and the themes. It's stronger on the comedy. It's not very strong on the horror in general, whereas your next has that whole home invasion angle. It's much more terrifying. So basically, if you don't like Ready or Not, you might like your next and vice versa. They're very, very similar movies in that way, you know? Yeah, I, I liked it again. I forgot a lot of stuff about why I liked it. And then watching it again, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that is pretty cool. I actually really liked that. And then the exact opposite was happening to Kelsey. I think the way I described it yesterday. Well, I couldn't remember why I didn't like it. I, I, 
I kept trying to remember. I was like, what was it that made me hate it so much? And I couldn't. And I was watching it and I was like, this is all perfectly fine. Why Why didn't I like this? And then the scene happened. And we I was will, like. We will identify the like, scene yeah. when it happens. Yeah. That's why I was, and I and I remember like all the other things that at that point, this point, the second time watching it, I was just rolling through. Uh-huh. I was just like, whatever, whatever. I can let that go. I can let that pass. And then something happens, and I'm like, I can't let that pass. This movie asks a lot of you when it comes to suspension of disbelief, and the question is, at what point, if ever, will you break? Will that suspension of disbelief break for you? It's a lot of bending. Oh, that's, uh, well, okay, nah, I guess, so that's the premise of the movie, so I guess I can bend for that, and then I'll bend for that, and then I'll bend for that. And for me, it was just like a nice curve, where I just kept bending along with what the movie was asking me to. Whereas there's a certain point where it's just pushing a little bit too far, and then Kelsey just breaks at that point. And I get that, that makes total sense. Uh, it just depends on your sensibility going into the movie, and there's nothing wrong with that. So. That's why I get if you don't like this movie. I personally actually really did. I guess it just depends on who you are, and I I wouldn't know the answer to that going into it. But it is kind of asking a lot of your suspension of disbelief, so if you're not into that sort of thing, then... But I think a lot of people would like this movie. Yes, yeah. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2019's Ready or Not. You are nervous? Oh, no. Don't take it personally. They're just trying to figure out if you're a gold-digging whore. You know, like my wife. When someone new joins the family, you have to play a game. This box will choose what we'll play. Hide and seek? Are we really going to play that? Those are the rules. You get to hide. I know you're in here. They think they have to kill you before sunrise. What? Your family's insane. Fuck! Do you think this is a fucking game? Yes, hide and seek. I'm really good at it. Ready or not, rated R. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Ready or Not begin? With some fun-looking board games that are not real. No. Apparently, they submitted a bunch of names to the lawyers to get them approved. And these are basically all that was left over. Uh, we have LaBelle's Gambit, which is interesting that they would actually name a game, considering what happens. Yeah. What the lore of the movie is. Mr. LaBelle is code for the devil. Yes. LaBelle is an anagram for Belial, which is a name from the Old Testament that was later associated with the devil. Hmm. So, like, in retrospect, Belial is the devil, is hmm. Satan. So, there, that's what that's all about. But so there's LaBelle's Gambit, Family Ritual, Yowzers, <laughs> Secret Council, Mm-hmm. And Abracadabra. Later on in the movie, we will also see Sunrise and Public Defender and even Ship Ahoy or Ships Ahoy, something like that. Like, I guess it would be like a take on Battleship. Who knows? But the Abracadabra game looked really cool. It made me think of Ouija, Mysterium, <sighs> Xandar. 
Ask Xandar. Ask Xandar. <laughs> oh my god. Because I had that, and I had it for a very long time until Chris finally made me get rid of it because I lost like yeah, most it was of a the pieces, a big box full of missing pieces, <laughs> and it was so incomplete. And ah, no. But I had him, which was pretty cool. I feel like we kept him, and then he broke or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. We are a very big board game family here. And I like any game that has anything to do with... Mysticism? Yes. Yeah. I love that stuff. Uh-huh. If I <laughs> if I had all the money in the world, I'd have like a whole room filled with just that kind of stuff. <laughs> this is my crystal ball gazing room. <laughs> so what's going on here now that we're seeing these board games? Two little boys run through with a lantern. They seem very scared and they try to hide... But one of them is caught, the older one is caught by a person who has been wounded mortally. And he yells out, he's here, he's here. The kid does. And his mother comes up to him and says, Daniel, I'm so proud of you. Which is going to come up again later. That was Daniel, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Because he's the older brother. Yeah, uh uh-huh. He's the one who always tried to shield his younger brother. Alex, yeah. Cut to 30 years later, mm-hmm. we meet Kirkland brand Margot Robbie. A little bit. <laughs> What's she, her name? Samara Weaving. She looks She looks like she's one of the many like Margot Robbie likes, but she has a little bit of uh, like a Gillian Jacobs from Community in her. Mm. But she's also Australian, just like Margot Robbie is. Mm. Well, there you go. But she is about to marry... Alex. Alex Ladomas. Do we know him from anything? Yeah, he was in Halt and Catch Fire, which we never watched. It was It's on the list of things that I wanted to watch that we just never watched. He was also in Arrival, but he had a smaller role in that. Well, anyway, he is going to tell her this is their wedding day, and apparently they don't care about her him seeing her in her wedding dress. Yeah. And she he tells her, I'm giving you an out. If you want, we can leave right now. And she's like, no, I love you. And I've always wanted a family because she grew up with the Fosters. Uh-huh. So she always wanted to have a family. And it doesn't hurt that he's loaded. Right. But he's also not very close with his family. Right. Yeah. True. She mentions that she finally has a chance. She's obviously kidding. But she has a chance to be a part of the Ladomus family gaming empire dynasty and he says dominion we prefer dominion i can't believe that in half an hour i will be a part of the ladomus gaming dynasty empire uh dominion we prefer dominion dominion yeah which is funny because that's a very famous game yeah Mm -hmm. but it doesn't count to give her the out if she doesn't know what the out is for right and the movie itself brings that up later I think it is extremely unfair that he would not tell her. How do you feel about that? Because the other brother told his wife. Yes. We don't ever find out if she told, if the sister told her husband. Fair? No. Absolutely it's not fair. But I don't think this is about being fair. But he supposedly really loves her. He was counting on, it's, it's a cowardly kind of love. It's a selfish kind of love. He says you would have left. If I didn't propose you would have left if i told you you would have left this is the only way that he can avoid confronting the truth that's why i say it's kind of a cowardly love and still keep her um and she 
admonishes him for that later on. So, like, the movie is not... It it has a side, and it's not Alex's. <laughs> <laughs> he asks her, are you ready for this? And she says, oh, fuck no. And then, ready or not, title card. Yes. Exactly. We also... We meet Daniel here. The older Daniel. Played by... Adam Brody. Mm-hmm. Who we have seen on this show before. Jennifer's body. Jennifer's body, yeah. Uh-huh. Still a very attractive man. Yes. Very attractive man. And he is an absolute alcoholic in this film. Uh-huh. We also meet a woman who stares at her very angrily. This is the aunt. Oh, we didn't mention the guy who gets killed in the beginning. Yeah. There's a bride who is crying her eyes uh-huh. out. That is that woman. Yes, this that's Aunt Helene, who's going to be later on just like watching them as they're making out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because she has a lot of baggage because she uh-huh. didn't get to marry her love. Yeah, you don't find that out really until way later, but yes. And she's awesome. Like, she's just become this, like, super villainous sort of, like, thing. Yes. We also get to meet the matriarch of the family. Andy McDowell playing Becky. Mm-hmm. And she seems really nice. She really seems to like Grace. She genuinely seems to think that she is good for her son. Yeah. She hopes that she will bring him back into the family because he is not down with Mm -hmm. what they do. So that's like her one ask. She's trying to empathize with Grace and she's like, you know what? They didn't think I belonged in this family either when I joined and look at me now. You know, like, don't let them tell you who you are or whether or not you belong here. You do because Alex loves you. Can you please bring him back to us? Like, that's her deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nervous? Ah, because your blood isn't blue enough. <laughs> they said the same thing about me. They did? Stand tall and fuck them. <laughs> the only thing that matters is what Alex thinks. And that we know. Grace. When I first saw you, I said to Tony, finally, one of our children has brought home a good one. And you don't know how grateful we are that you brought Alex back to us. But please try to bring him back into the fold. We're his family. We are introduced to the idea that there are corridors for the servants that run all throughout the house. Yeah. Uh, because the aunt That's uses the one aunt to get up. into their room while they're making out. It's so fucked up that this concept exists because it's like, oh yeah, the servants need to go through these passageways so they're not seen. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. So fucked up. Mm-hmm. That's introduced to us through Alex. Yeah. It's like, I've completely forgot about him until just now, is what he says. And Alex is going to tell his brand new wife that we have to play a game at midnight. Mm -hmm. She asks which game. He says he doesn't know. She will have to draw a card. And he doesn't. He doesn't know, actually. Mm -hmm. Which is the important part. We learn here that she was the one who pushed for the wedding. For uh, It would be pretty obvious that he wouldn't be pushing yeah, for a wedding uh-huh. anytime soon. But yeah, so she really wanted this. We meet the sister in this game room. Emily. I guess we should describe the game room. It's very elaborate. There's lots of like game, actual game. Yeah, like on animals. The, <laughs> on the walls. 
Uh, Yeah, it's a private room for family only, and now that she's a part of the family, she gets to participate and gets to see this room for the first time with this giant table for Mr. LaBelle. Uh huh. That has uh, a candle on either side of it. Yeah, and the idea is basically like it's just a tradition. It's this sort of ritual thing that we do. Mr. LaBelle made our family rich generations ago, so we've honored his wishes. Is the story that's told basically. Yes, and the sister shows up here. Now, her husband, you never quite understand. And here's the thing. Families all, ha- all families have them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the one uncle that you're just like, him? You yeah. know? You know the like, dipshit, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. you're just yeah. like, how did you marry this guy? Uh-huh. And they're like, what's the story there? So there's Emily, who obviously has a drug problem. That's Daniel and Alex's sister. So she's, yeah, definitely doing a lot of coke. She is married to Fitch. That's who I'm talking is, about. Yeah, who's the total dipshit and opportunistic and very eager to be accepted by the family. We don't ever find out if he knew before they got married. I feel like he probably did know. He's not surprised by any of this. You might be wondering why would anyone agree to that? That's kind of the whole point of the movie. What we will find out through, specifically through Adam Brody's wife. Charity. Yeah, funny. Uh Uh-huh. Is that, well, I do anything for this wealth, for this life, for this privilege. And I would risk my life. For it. Because, yeah, we do find out that she knows that it's a possibility that she might be hunted to death. That's the premise of this movie. But she did it anyway. Neither her nor Fitch got that card. The ready or not hide and seek card. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It says hide and seek. And the more I think about it, the more I think because they wouldn't be real sacrifices. Yes. I think I think you're right. I think the reason that Grace gets hide and seek is because she is not greedy. She She's did good. marry out of love. Yes. And so she would be a suitable sacrifice. And if she had known, she would have walked away just as her uh-huh. husband says she would have. Yeah. So that is why she is an act. She's, you know, the modern day virgin. Right. We work with what we have. Sure. Yeah, that concept. And during the wedding, Charity, I think it's Charity, says to Daniel... Something to the effect of, she'll never be one of us. And he says to her, of course not. She has a soul. Yes. She's pretty enough. The last call at the dive bar kind of way. But she'll never be one of us. Of course not, dear. She has a soul. And later on, when we're thinking about how LaBelle might be the devil, they might not have souls, literally. Well, I don't know. I mean, they might not just because they're bad people. But I don't know if, like, does he get the soul of every single one of the people involved in the family? It's mentioned. He gets their lives. Does he get their souls? It's mentioned briefly that they sacrifice goats. Yes. To the devil. Yes. In exchange for wealth and power. Yes. They've sold their souls. That's what they've done. Including, like, the children, like, that are born into it? Well, yeah, I think... That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, Alex probably not yet, but he was born into it. So the the hope is that you become this. But if you're bringing anyone in from the outside, they need to be equally opportunistic. Mm-hmm. And that is, that basically they sold their souls to be a member of this family, effectively. When she grabs the card that tells her hide and seek she asks i can't really win though can i 
And he's like, I guess you could stay hidden until dawn, but that doesn't uh-huh. sound like fun, does it? She's like, oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I guess not. And they have this little hide-and-seek song. Who wants to play a game? It's time for hide-and-seek. Which was very reminiscent of Get Out. Run, rabbit, run. Yes, yeah. Run, run, run. Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, run. I wonder if these are real songs. I wonder, like, if they're real, then, like, of course you could take them. But, like, if they were made specifically for the films, I would want to know which one came out first. I think Get Out came out before this. Yeah, I think so. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely came out before this. But they, they're they going for the same vibe. Mm-hmm. The rich, right? Because it's not always about race or sex or creed it's just class. the fucking classes man mm-hmm. <laughs> as she will say in this movie fucking rich people fucking rich people yes mm-hmm. yeah and so when she pulls the card because the the father tony uh, played by henry cerny tells the story and has the box he puts a blank card in the box and it spits out a game both fitch and charity mention the games that they played it's like backgammon and Chess, I think, were the ones that they had. Chess and Old Maid. What the fuck old is Maid, old that's maid? it. Old Maid, that's right. On one of his many excursions abroad, great grandfather came to meet a Mr. LaBale. He was a he was a passenger aboard the ship, a collector of sorts, purchasing exotic antiquities to resell to wealthy Americans. After discovering a mutual passion for games of chance, they passed a great many hours playing cards. And among Mr. LaBelle's possessions was that box. And one evening, after indulging in more than their fair ration of rum, <clears throat> Mr. LaBelle proposed a wager. If great-grandfather could solve the mystery of the box before arriving at port, <laughs> Mr. LaBelle would finance any endeavor of grandfather's choosing. Well, great-grandfather whiled away the long hours at sea studying the box until finally since that time whenever the Ludomasses are presented with a new addition to the family we place a blank playing card into the box our initiate then has the privilege of drawing the card, and Mr. LaBelle will tell us which game to play. I got chess. I got old maid. Seriously, what the fuck is old maid? Fitch. Because I think somebody asked if it could be any game, like backgammon or whatever. I think that's where that came up. But she gets hide and seek, and she just thinks it's funny, but the... The tone in the entire room, just just all the life gets sucked out of everything. And Alex is like, oh, fuck. And she's like, what, what's, what's, what's the problem? It's just fucking hide and seek. Whatever, I'll hide somewhere, they'll find me, it'll be fine. You know, that's how she's portraying it. And it's not until later that she learns the truth. Yes. Each of the family members is given a different weapon after she is run off. Yeah. They're all, like, really old school. I guess it's either it's tradition or it's part of the deal with the devil and that's the thing is that they 
they go back and forth. Like, and sometimes, yeah, we have to do this. This is part of the dr- the rules. And other times it's like, what? No, that was your dad's idea. That it was the 80s. That couldn't possibly be a commentary on what traditions we keep and what traditions we don't and how people use tradition as an excuse. But then they ignore all sorts of other traditions. You know, like... Pick and choose. Yes, pick and choose. Exactly. As the aunt says. Uh-huh. <laughs> We should use the security cameras. You have no respect for tradition. Oh, she's right. Don't you think great-grandfather would have used the security cameras if he had them? I mean, it's not tradition that he was born before cameras. That's, that's stupid. Exactly. Times change. Speaking of which, man, please use a weapon made this century. I have a gun in my purse. You do? No, no, we use great-grandfathers. That's tradition. Pick and choose, pick and choose. At least you're not making us wear those fucking masks. Oh, that was dad's idea. The 80s. Our reverence must not. God damn it, sis! There was a weird little like moment with our bride where she just eats her nails, and I was like, she's just like biting her nails. It's a she's just a nervous tension. That's all. We also learned that little Georgie is one of the two sons. So we didn't mention the only one who has children. Is the sister. She has two boys. And yeah, Emily has two kids. They are very aware of what is about to happen. They are probably already part of the rituals, and they love it, and they're excited, and they're running around. And Georgie has escaped from bed because he wants to be in on the fun. Mm-hmm. So the sister, who was very nice to the bride when she met her, but yeah. then again, they all were. Like, nobody... It's important to say that I don't think anyone was expecting or looking forward to this. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone was like, yay, we get to do this. Uh-huh. Like, And if she was part of the family, they were going to be very happy to have her as part of the family. It is their great and awesome duty, if that card comes out. Yes. That they have to, to do it. So it's something that they should be proud of, but not something that they should be excited for. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, they <laughs> grab all their weapons and everything. So the sister, all coked up, given a crossbow does she have a crossbow at this she point? she has a gun she has a gun at this point she's running around coked up with a gun she's waving it around like crazy and it's important to know that i think the parents are very aware of their children's shortcomings i think they are very aware that she is a cocaine oh yeah uh-huh. that their son is an alcoholic that their other son can't stand them like they are aware of yeah. what they've done to their children they just don't care their children, especially for the mother, like, they can do no wrong. And I, I think that also falls for the dad, especially with his daughter. Like, yeah, he knows they're fuck-ups, but they're his kids. Yeah, and he loves them. And, uh-huh. like, whenever she fucks up, it's just like, oh, baby. You mm-hmm. know, like, they're not mad at her. They're not, like, disgusted or upset. They're just like, oh, poor thing, even though she's just murdered an yeah. innocent person, because that's what's about to happen here. Yeah, so the kid, that one kid does go missing, and so the nanny who's been watching them at night while this is going on uh, goes out and looks for her. Meanwhile, Alex and Grace are going to run into each other, and he's going to try to explain exactly what's going on and how important it is that she hide. And while they're hiding, Emily comes looking for her, and then when the the nanny <laughs> appears Who's to try to tell her Georgie. something, yeah, Emily shoots her in the fucking face. Yes, and she's gonna be all excited to tell her parents that she did it, and they're like, "Okay, first of all, does she look like she's wearing a white dress? Uh huh. And she's not blonde. <laughs> Secondly, we need her alive. Please stop shooting them in the face. Yeah, we need her maimed." 
but alive so we can do the ritual. Mm-hmm. The ritual involves a pentagram and a, and a knife and yeah. And she's just like, okay, okay, okay. No more fuck ups. And does more coke and runs out of the room. This whole time, Alex and Grace are hiding behind the bed. On the other the side bed. of the bed. Yeah. And she's panicky. Did you see the tattoo on her hand? I noticed that she had one. I didn't look too closely at it. Okay. What is it? It's a chili pepper. What's it? Like the actress has a chili pepper tattoo on her hand. Oh, an actual <laughs> tattoo. Yeah. And they just kept it in there because yeah. normally they cover them with makeup. Yeah. Maybe she likes the red hot chili peppers. Maybe. <laughs> but anyway, so this is when they have that conversation. I would, If I had told you, you would have left. If I hadn't proposed to you, you would have left. But now I'm determined to get you out of here. That is my goal. I don't care about anything. What he doesn't mention, does he mention it here that everyone will die? Or is that told to her later? No, later on, they're going to talk about how they actually believe all this shit. And he's kind of counting on, I think, at a certain point that it's not real. Or my family's just crazy. It's this really shitty tradition. I just need to save you. He seems like absolutely eager to get her out so she survives. The sister is going to kill another maid. This one, I think, is going to tell them where Grace is hiding, I think. And she kills her this time with the crossbow, right? Like, her husband gives her the crossbow, tells her, do that instead of using the gun. Because at that point, she's shot at everybody because she, again, found Grace and shot at her. And she accidentally... everyone else was also there and she was shooting at everybody. She accidentally loosed the crossbow and a bolt goes right into their maid's face. And this is when the sister's going to say, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. Pretty great. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, Adam Brody is going to go looking for alcohol because he's an alcoholic and he's going to find Grace. And she's going to try and convince him that he's a good guy and that he doesn't want to do this. And he's just like, I don't want to kill you, but I'm not a good person. You need to leave. I'll give you some time. And then I'm going to call everybody because that's the coward that I am. Right. Because, again, a lot of them understand that they are going to die. If she doesn't die, they all die. Uh Uh-huh. Now, no, I don't think that they deserve to live, no. But, like, I'm saying, like, there's a... You might be wondering, why would this character continue to do this? It's like, it's not just him. It's his nephews. It's his mother. You know? Yeah. Like, it's his sister. It's all these people are going to die. It's his wife. Yeah, and the thing about... Daniel is he doesn't like it. He's tried to save his brother from it, you know, by shielding him from the harsher realities of it. And then Alex left and he was happy that he had left. But he doesn't have any pretense that he might be able to save himself. As far as he's concerned, he's trapped in this and will be forever. He's resigned himself to the fact that he is doomed. But he doesn't want Grace to die. But he that doesn't mean that he doesn't have to tell them where she is. when he sees, So he does the same thing that he did when he was a little kid. But he says he'd give her a 10-second head start so she can get out. After he calls them in, after he's given her plenty of time to get away, they are like, well, fuck, you lost her again. Let's just use the cameras. Because earlier they mentioned we have cameras all over the house. That's not really fair. And they said, don't worry, we're going to turn them off. That's rules. That's tradition. And this is where that conversation Uh is going to happen. Pick and choose. Pick and choose. (laughs) It's not really fair. Stick with the modern times. Cameras didn't exist back then. So Alex, in the meantime, 
while all this is happening, his goal is to go back to the security room and get the doors unlocked because the whole place is locked down. And that's the same room where the cameras are that the butler turned everything off Which earlier. That's not fair either if all the doors are locked. Well, yeah, but there's an out of bounds. I mean, that makes sense. You can't just leave. You got to play the game. You got to hide. And so he's going to go off and do that. So hopefully Grace can get out and she's going to be stuck in the kitchen yeah, with a, the butler. It's a raptor scene, but with a uh, butler. Yeah, totally. And she's going to get him in the face with a hot pot of tea because he is down for his masters. Yes. Yeah. So is, so was the maid earlier who ended mm-hmm. up getting shot in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> She tries to fire, like, an elephant gun at him, and he's like, the ammunition is for display purposes only, or whatever. And that's when he's going to attack her, and she smashes that pot across his face, burning his face. Um, to which her husband will say, fuck yeah. Yeah, because he's watching this whole time. The ammunition is display only. Now, did you really think I would be stupid enough to... <laughs> fuck yeah! <laughs> but he does manage to get the whole place unlocked... Right before the rest of the family comes into the security room and he's smashed everything up. So there's nothing they can do about it. They can't watch on the cameras and they can't lock down the building again. So she's able to just get out. Well, first we're going to see another maid die in the dumbwaiter. Yes. Another moment where it's like, she's like, I don't want to be involved. I don't want to da 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 And she's like, okay, well, you just... Help me out here. Yeah, we'll switch places because they're not looking for you. They're looking for me. And she's like, oh, oh, they're looking for you. Yeah. uh And then she calls their attention and kind of accidentally she gets killed. She tries to close the dumbwaiter and ride it. So she presses the button, but she's still like hanging out of it and doesn't realize it. And Samara Weaving still kind of like holding on to her. Like, no, we need to change positions. And then she gets crushed a la Scream. But. The way they show it, the gears, like, it's more old-fashioned and less safe. It's a little bit more believable, but, yeah, I don't know about that. (laughs) It's at least a little more believable than Scream with the garage door. It just felt like she could have gotten out of it. Like, I feel like she could have just leaned back into the dumbwaiter. But once she's pinched, there's no, and then it just kept going, and then it, like, snapped her spine. Yes. True. There's an odd scene which kind of goes nowhere. The aunt is determined that this particular son, the younger son, the one who just got married, who's trying to save his wife, the Aunt Helene believes that he is going to rule the family. He's going to be mm-hmm. the new patriarch because... Yeah, they just dropped that he saw LaBelle. saw LaBelle in the chair when he was five years old. So why don't we get that flashback? It goes nowhere. That goes nowhere. It's so weird. Yeah, I think just the and, idea. Like, he's listening the whole time, and you're wondering, like, is he going to switch sides? He doesn't. It's weird. Part of it is that, like, it's sort of reestablishing the uncertainty of it all because he was a little kid who claimed he saw a man sitting in the chair. The dad says that. Yeah, but it also reveals to the audience that no one in the family has even seen LaBelle. How do they know any of this is fucking real? Because other family members have died. <laughs> no, they haven't. Yes, they have. Uh, Fitch brings up. Oh, no, it's not other family members. It's other people. There's another house or something like that that's, that caught on fire. and it's So what happens is every single time someone moves into a family within this family. They're, yeah. not, they're not the only family. His yes. brothers and sisters. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. So another 
several branches of the family. Because he says, the the husband tells her, some of my family members just tried to not play the game. We just won't do it. They all died. Yeah, and, then and, well, explain, and Fitch says, well, I thought their house caught on fire or something. It's like, oh, that's what the press told you. If you'd seen, if you'd actually seen what happened to uh-huh. them, you'd know it wasn't a fire. But still, that might just be fucking paranoia. The whole point is that you don't know. That's the only way this movie works. Yes, there are suggestions that might make you think it's real, but then there are other things that, you know, it's all hearsay. Nobody knows. We're certainly not shown. Well, as we said, the wife is able to get out because everything's been opened up. And she will run to the stables, which is where Georgie is, apparently. Yeah. And Georgie has a gun and he shoots shoots her in the hand. Yeah. Which she, like, causes her to backhand him or whatever. No, she fucking decks him. She just punches this kid. Knocks him out. Great. But she falls back into, like, where all these dead animals are. In the well. He doesn't push her, right? No. Is it just because she got... Is it just because she fell? Yeah, it was an accident, I think. Mm. No, a goat. Goat kicks her in or something. Mm. Some pushes her in, shoves her. She falls through the cover of this well, and there are all these skeletons down here, but not just animals. There's one of there's, the guy from the eighties. There's 80s. more than one. Oh, I thought there was only yeah. one. Yeah. Mm. But yes, the definitely the dude that has the crossbow bolts or the arrows, whatever it is, in his chest. He's down there. The guy we saw at the very beginning of the movie. Well, that's where they're also going to put all the. Maids. Oh, yeah. They're going to keep throwing them all down there. Yeah. She's going to climb up despite all odds. She's going to put her hand right on a nail. Oh, the hand with the hole in it. And that's going to be leverage she uses to lift herself up. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. That's the kind of most torture porny it gets. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a violent graphic movie, but in like a comedic way. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit, it's more like revenge. But I mean the the nail and the hand thing. It's it, that's not funny. Mm-hmm. There's funny to getting bl- you know the face blown off and a crossbow bolt right through the head, uh, right through the mouth, and like all these things are funny. This is like torture. Yes. And so it's kind of more the the shit about horror that we don't personally like. Right. Like that's um, kind of all you get of it. Yeah. yeah. So this is kind of the part where it starts to fall apart for me. Is when she starts to run away. A rich asshole is going to like tell her to get out of his way in his car when she yeah. runs out. So to she him. Ha- she breaks out through the fence and she's getting all cut up and everything and she's really fucked up. She tries to wave down this car. He's like, get out of the road! And she yells at him. What the fuck is wrong with you? You fucking animal! You piece of shit! Little tiny dick licker fucking asshole! Fucking eye! Fucking rich people. While she's out trying to make her escape, we're going to have a scene between Adam Brody and his sister when they are throwing the maids into that area. That's where they're going to discover Georgie. And he's going to tell them what he did. And the sister is going to say, Georgie, I'm so proud of you. Just like Andy McDowell did to Daniel. And it's interesting because five seconds earlier, he had said, we all deserve to die anyway. So she goes, my kids don't. 
And this, in this moment, it's like, maybe they do. Right. Like, they they didn't necessarily do anything, but you are just building them into more of you. Yes, we're just continuing the cycle. Yeah. And maybe we all do deserve to die. But it's funny when he says that is because they're throwing these maids' bodies into the well, and one of them's headless, and then he picks up the head of the maid by the crossbow bolt that's in her face, and he's like, we all deserve to die. (laughs) (laughs) While she is trying to escape after that car ditched her, she's going to be found by the butler. Yeah. And they're going to have a scuffle. He's going to end up getting her into his car. But while in the car, she's going... is I don't know if it's in the car or outside of the car, but she puts her hand on his face where yeah. she put the tea, which I thought was fun. It is fun. And then so, yeah, she gets in the car and starts driving away. And she hits, like, the OnStar button or whatever. It's like, I need you to call 911, get the police. They're trying to kill me. Da, da, da. And he comes back with... Ma'am, it says here that the car was reported stolen. I'm sorry, but I have to shut it down. No, what? No, what the fuck? Are you fucking kidding me? It's company policy, man. No, 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 please. Justin! Just stay with the vehicle. Ah! Police are on Just their way. Just start the fucking car! Okay, there's no need for profanity. Start the car, Justin! Jesus, there's nothing I can do. I, my hands are tied. Justin! Hello? Justin! Is there anything else I can help you with? Yeah, you look fuck yourself, Justin! Okay. Thanks for using TripSafe. Have a great night. It's so stupid. Okay, Kelsey fucking hates this, but think about this from a legal point of view. The owners of the car told you that their car has been stolen. Somebody who's in that car is making up some fucking bullshit. And you're just going to let her keep driving away. Call the cops. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's what he's saying is, oh, yeah, no, the cops are on their way and they know where the car is. They have every ability to know where the car is. Yes. Yes. You're all right. But she's telling them I'm going to be murdered. That is why I contacted you Mm -hmm. and you're not going to help me. Uh huh. I understand why it upsets you. What I don't understand is what you don't get about the legal liability issue here. They are paid by a family. This family, the car owners, are their clients. They don't work for some rando who, as far as they know, stole that car. And they did call the cops. The cops show up later because this dude called the cops. Now, granted, it's like an hour later. But they do show up later. That's not his fault that the cops took forever to get there. But it, it's also his job to... Shut the car down. Now, do I think that that's reasonable? No. Do I think it's good? No. But this movie is full of fucking people doing bad fucking things because they respond to capital more than they respond to humanity. It's the thesis of the movie. So you're going to have people doing things like that. Doesn't mean I have to like it. Right. This is the moment where... It's asking you to bend, 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 bend. And then at this point, this is where Kelsey breaks. She's like, nope, don't like it anymore. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just we have different breaking points for different reasons. Me, I'm like, yep, it's more of the ridiculousness. And so I'm bending with it. But yeah, I'm not saying it's I'm the right one. I'm saying that's just where we differ. So the butler shows back up and captures her. Ties her up, puts her in the seatbelt in the middle of the back seat, and then calls the family on FaceTime or whatever and tells them, I got her. She's coming back. And they're like, oh, thank God. 
we could finally do the ritual. And while they're on the phone with him, and he's playing his opera music, which he was humming in the kitchen earlier, or whatever music it is, classical music, they see her wake up, and then, like, getting ready to attack him, and they're like, turn around, turn the music down, Stevens! And... Of course, he doesn't. He's completely oblivious, and they get to see in real time her attack him. The car swerves. It tumbles, tumbles, tumbles into a ditch, and Stevens is dead. But when she gets out of the car, she runs into Daniel. who She will again try to convince that he is a good person, and he's like, no, I'm not. I'm weak. If anyone was going to save you, it was going to be my brother. Yeah, he's been handcuffed in the bedroom this entire time now after they caught him in the security room. And he knocks her out. Yeah, and then he says, you can come out now. So this is a key sort of in retrospect. He knew his father was already there and was watching the situation. And they drag her. And everything's a game. Every time they move bodies, they flip a coin to see who carries what side of the body. They drag her back and they tie her up to this sacrificial table. And they're going to kill her. Meanwhile, the son tells the the husband, the son tells his mother... Andy McDowell, while he's handcuffed to the bed. If she dies, I will kill you. And she goes, then I guess I'm dead either way. Right. Mm-hmm. So I might as well try to save your life. Because mm-hmm. if she doesn't die, you do. And so, yeah. Which is, it's this whole like motherly thing. We were just talking to friends of ours who just had a kid. And it's the same thing you hear from parents all the time. I mean, of course, everyone responds differently. But a switch happens in your brain. And he's like, yeah, if he came home one day and he was like, I killed this guy, I would say, all right, grab a shovel. Let's bury this motherfucker. You know, like, I would do anything for him. It doesn't matter if it's appropriate or not. And that's the parenthood thing. Mm -hmm. But what I thought was very upsetting was the fact that apparently they'd only been dating for a year and a half. Yeah. All of this for a year and a half relationship. Are you kidding me? She was going to leave if he didn't propose. High school kids have year and a half relationships. (laughs) She's just uh, rationalizing how long it took me to propose. Look. Look. If you're in your 20s and you date somebody over three years, that's a long time. Uh Uh-huh. Honey. Uh-huh. It was a long time. <laughs> but a but year and, and a half? half? <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. So they're going to kill her, sacrifice her on this table, and they need to do it before sunrise. So they're all about to perform this ritual killing, and they all drink from this bowl or cup or chalice or mm-hmm. something. And they all, especially Fitch, kind of make a look of like, what was that? That was disgusting. That didn't taste good, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> and it ends up being that Adam Brody has poisoned his family. Uh, but it's funny because she asks him when they're running away. She's like, did you just kill your whole family? And he's like, nah. Well, because he- I Googled it. They'll just shit bad for a week, but they'll be fine. Yeah, because he gave them hydrochloric acid. It's like, they'll survive. Because he, he, he Googled the appropriate amount. They'll just be shitting funny for a week or whatever. <laughs> What did you give us? Stuff we poured on the maids. White bottle, little red cap. Hydrochloric acid! Did you just kill him? No, just give him a nip. I googled it. They'll shit weird for a week, but they'll be fine. And she says, I knew you'd help me. And he goes, I didn't. 
And I thought that was a good twist. And it really fucking sucks that his wife shoots him. Yeah. Because like, he- you really don't care if I die. And it's like, no, that's not the point. It's not about you. Yeah. But she's making it about her because she is selfish. Always. And yeah, so when faced with damnation or killing her husband... She decides to kill her husband, and she shoots Daniel, and Samara Weaving comes up on her when she couldn't believe that she had just done it, and knocks her out. Right. And is it the mom who says she's just another goat, or is it the dad? I thought it was the dad that said- I don't remember. You're just another goat. But either way, she's going to end up killing the matriarch, because the matriarch's going to try to kill her, because the mom's like, I have to kill you, otherwise my children, and I'm going to die. Right, so she tries to kill her. She ends up killing Andy McDowell. Grace and does, yeah. that is when her husband's going to walk in. Uh-huh. And that's kind of when he's like, you just killed my mom? <laughs> See, but this is why, like, I like, it's the complication of emotions and what you think you're willing to do and what you're actually willing to do when confronted with it. Like, I like that. He says, I will kill you. To protect my wife, I will kill you to avenge her if she dies. And then he finds out that she is dead because she tried to kill his wife. And he actually, when faced with the reality, couldn't handle that. Yeah. He is going to decide to kill her Mm -hmm. and the whole family converges, but it's too late. Mm-hmm. The sun's up. Helene casts open the the blinds and he's like, "Oh God!" And then nothing, nothing happens, happens, which is so mwah. And everyone's like trying to have to grapple with that. Like, what the fuck did we do? And it turns out it's not real. What have we been doing? Uh huh. And Fitch is like, "I knew it! I knew it!" And he's the one who's gonna first. He, he explodes. Explodes. He just explodes, and everyone's like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. He does. Pro- he does ask the question. Well, what do we do about her now? Because mm-hmm. we can't just let her live. And yeah, that's when that's when he ends up exploding, and then they all explode uh helene is like she has an axe and she's like i'm gonna kill her anyway i've always been good to you labelle and then as she she attacks she explodes and so emily takes her kids out of the room because their family members are exploding and then when she takes them out you hear three explosions three pops Mm -hmm. um so the kids die too so all that's left is the husband yeah and he's like he saved me because you made me good. I said that. I said you made me good. Uh-huh. And she's like, I want a divorce. And she throws her ring at him. And as soon as it hits him, he explodes. And we didn't mention, but the father has been carrying around a real old-fashioned lantern this entire time. And it gets tossed to the side at some point and has started setting the entire manor on fire. And so this is still happening. And as everything's catching on fire, she sees a flash of LaBelle sitting oh. in his chair. I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah. Oh. And she's like, fuck. <laughs> you have to show it to me. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, but I love these false twists. There are a couple of them throughout, and they're all reasonable. They all make sense. It's just a fun sort of like, hey, you know, we can have our cake and eat it too in a reasonable way. Not like they're trying to cheat, but it's like, well, let's present them with the fact that maybe this is all fake and see how they react. But really, the real answer is, no, it was real, you know. And then Daniel with his, is he going to save her or won't he? He's struggling with that. He hates himself. He hates his family. He thinks Grace is good. Uh, He wants to protect her and his younger brother. And 
can he do that? Is he capable of making those tough decisions? And then, nope, turns out he's not. Oh, but no, it turns out he is. Because he's growing, he realizes he's being watched, so he can't do that now, and he has to come up with something later. Like, I like those complexities of these sort of false twists that we get. But yes, the movie is not over. How does the rest of the movie play out, Kelsey? It's kind of dumb. She takes Andy McDowell's cigarette case. Goes outside to have a cigarette. The cops finally show up. Mm-hmm. And they ask her, what happened to you? In-laws. Jesus Christ. What happened to you? In-laws. I'm like, I get the joke, but like, what happens next? Yes. Thank you. I'm glad you brought that up. Because I was thinking the same thing, and it was what I was thinking from before. Wouldn't she be the one presented as the murderer? Yeah, she just killed everyone and set the house on fire? No. What we aren't thinking of, this is a question, by the way, it's been a while since we asked it. At the end of movies, we tend to not like movies where you ask, okay, but what's, what's next? What happens next? You just wanted your stunning ending, but... The real question, the really important one is, what's the next scene that we didn't get to see? Because the whole world is fucked or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, depending on the movie. This one, it's, she's totally fucked. She's the only survivor and people were fucking murdered. How does she explain this? Well, there are bodies in the well. The house is burning down. The barn isn't. And even if it did, there are bodies in the fucking well, including the groom from 30 years ago. It's it's very clear that they are killing people. <laughs> what her story is will hold up. She would have been how old? Five when that guy died? She obviously didn't do that. There's stuff to back up what she's saying. So I think she's she'll be fine. And since she married in, she's going to inherit everything. Oh, good. Good for her. I mean, I imagine because we signed our documents that night during the reception. And so I imagine they did, too. But yeah, they're married. So she she would be there. She's the only one alive. She'd inherit everything. Pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I, I really like this movie. I really do. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's just cynical enough, but not too cynical. It's just ridiculous enough that I don't take anything too seriously. It's not a perfect movie by by any means, but yeah, I know I liked it a lot more than you did. Why, mm-hmm. why, aside from the breaking point that you have that then makes it harder to accept anything else that comes after it, what else are your thoughts? It just feels like... I want to have the joke of her talking to this guy and whatever his name is, Justin. No, Justin, 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 no. And then hangs up. I was like, that's funny. But it was for a really stupid moment that you didn't need to have. It could have just been this car. It has been. Yeah, you didn't need to bring in Justin into it. Now you have somebody completely removed from the situation who's also a dickhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I see what you're saying. And you had already done that with the guy driving by, so we didn't need to have that again. Right. I just think this is adding more onto the pile of rich people are assholes and they get special consideration. She's going to die because regular people treat rich people better and give them more privileges. Like, it's just another extension on that whole class conversation that this movie's trying to have. And so it brings in a third party, just some schmo working customer service for OnStar. Even he is on their side. I think that just adds more to the argument. 
but I I get it. It doesn't mean you have to like it. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm sure it's very high. I'm going to guess 88. It's exactly 88. Oh, look at me. Smart, subversive, and darkly funny, Ready or Not is a crowd-pleasing horror film with giddily entertaining bite. A Metacritic of 64. That's a pretty big gap, actually. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people liked it, but not everyone thought it was great. And a cinema score of a B+. Do you think that that is overrated or underrated, Kelsey? I definitely think that's overrated. Uh-huh. Um, but I do think it's a good movie, and I do think there are things that are funny about it. I really enjoy Adam Brody. I think that the main yeah. star does a pretty good job. Smart weaving. I think Andy McDowell does a good job. Oh, she is constantly whining, though, Samara Weaving. She's constantly making whining noises, and it's like, yeah, no, I get it, but it's like, I don't know, I don't need to hear the, <laughs> like, constantly. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah. <laughs> After she gets out of the house, everything just kind of fell apart for me. Mm -hmm. And then once she gets back in the house, it gets better again. It's just kind of like everything outside of the house yeah. is not great. But it's still just a very simple movie. I don't think uh -huh. there's a lot to it. I don't think it's as groundbreaking as people made it out to be. So I'm going to give it a 70. Yeah, I don't know about groundbreaking, but I do really like it. I think I'm going to give it an 83. Wow. Yeah, 13 points away. Just one point more removed than uh, our hatchet for the honeymoon. <laughs> Big differences this uh, yeah, week. this was a big week for me, mm -hmm. not as much for Kelsey. And next week, yeah, will be a okay. Big week so for this, you. <laughs> thank you very much to the patrons who selected these movies for our wedding week. If you would like to back us, you can do so at Patreon.com/slash Pod Cemetery. I had asked Kelsey because everyone's talking about Prey. I had been asking for a long time. I was like, I want to make sure that we do Predator, like, because there's a lot of stuff going on with Predator. Predator meets. Alien, and so, like, there's... But we're never going to get there if we don't at least watch the first Predator movie. So that was one of, like, my asks. There are several movies that are like that, that are, like, my asks, because Kelsey really manages the list, and God bless her for it. And so I said, well, with Prey coming out, when that comes to streaming, can we be sure to watch that for the show, and we can do Predator and Prey? And Kelsey said yes, and I didn't realize it at the time, I think Kelsey might have, that that's how Prey is being released. It's being released to Hulu, so it's out right now on streaming. So that means next week is Predator and Prey week. We're going to be watching 1987's Predator and 2022's Prey. Oh, Kelsey, how, have you ever seen Predator? Not the whole thing, no. Okay. Yes, it's an action movie. Yes. But it's fucking dope. Has so many good lines. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> Goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. You're one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> so good. Plus, I'm, I'm just like a big fan of the Predator in general, like, who he is, the idea. Do you even know what the Predator is? He's an alien. Yes. He likes to eat people. No, he's a big game hunter. Mm. And the deadliest game is man. So he's hunting humans. It's 
the deadliest game? I kind of. Well, you watched um, what was it? Predators when it when that came out, the one with Adrian Brody. Vaguely remember. I that remember being a that film. movie being okay, and I think that is one. That's one where they collect humans, and then they bring them to a different planet and set them loose in the wilderness, and then hunt them down. So it is like the deadliest game. <laughs> Anyway, that is next week, 1987's Predator and 2022's Prey. We hope you come back for that. Until then, you can find us on our website, podcemetery.com, on Twitter, at podcemetery, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcemetery. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. Five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. But even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends, and even bigger than that is just listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Do you hear those footsteps? Someone is tiptoeing inside my brain. Are you ready? Are you ready? For quiet time. A woman should only live to her wedding, love once, and then die. Adam Brody. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is wrong with you, you fucking asshole, piece of shit, little tiny dick licker, fucking asshole, fucking I... Fucking rich people! <laughs> Ma'am, the car has been reported stolen, so I have to shut it down. Hail Satan! 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 Hail Satan!